one and we are recording for the third time with lieutenant colonel bernie flowers as well as don the pleb everybody knows don nobody cares he's old news Indeed, Bern- nobody cares. bernie bernie's the new show in town uh, mr flowers please introduce yourself to everybody tell them where you are running and what you are running for i'm glad that you asked that question tommy i tell you First of all, thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, we seem to have hit it off, and I'm always looking for new friends, and I look like I found one. Hell yeah, man. Great. Hell yeah. Um, I am uh, running in the 2nd District of Maryland, and I don't know if you guys are familiar, but on Monday, Governor Hogan signed a, uh, a document that changed the districts in this state. They've been gerrymandered for a very, very long time. So District 2, as of Sunday afternoon, was Eastern Baltimore, Eastern Baltimore County, Northern Air, Arundel County, Dundalk, that sort of area. Now it's changed. And it's changed, I believe, in my favor. It's now, um, we're talking mostly Carroll County, starting in, um, you know, uh, Cadenceville, um, Tyson's, or not Tyson's, um, uh, basically all the way up to the state line. A lot of uh, very, very conservative people, somewhat semi-rural suburban folks that are very 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 red in their thinking so it makes me very very happy and it also puts the incumbent uh congressman rupersberger in a situation where he has to move away from his base and he's got to convince those um conservatives to vote for him and i got a better chance i can stand toe to toe yeah he's got a lot of money but i got a lot of shoe leather yeah and um so i'm feeling pretty good about it yeah and uh because the last time we talked, it was still being proposed, correct? Or the yeah. judge had just ruled on it, so. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And it's been, you know, the Democrats, bless their hearts, have been, um, they set this thing up so they had a perpetual win. And it took a judge to change it, you know, years and years. So I got to give uh, Governor Hogan props for fighting the good fight and all the other people that um, fought this. I think it was Delegate Parrott and a few other people that, filed a federal lawsuit and brought this to the attention and uh, just kept fighting. And so I am uh, just thrilled the way things have turned out. And um, right now I'm doing two or three events every day, but uh, your event is a priority. I actually moved somebody out of the way to talk to you. Oh, you, that makes, makes my day. Don, it's just, it's just for that smile, man. Don't let him. Oh, you. Right there. There it is. (laughs) That's Um, why we're all here. But, um, that sounds Done. actually really incredibly great, actually, uh, the, on the, the redistricting front, right? Because I, I have looked at Maryland districts a strangely lot for a guy who's been there all of once ever. Uh, but <laughs> it's it's the state uh, that and California are tend to be the states that I bring up when people go, ah, Republicans gerrymander. And I'm like, really? <laughs> have you looked at Maryland and California? They're terrible. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I've got a map pulled up. Uh, Tommy, I can send it to yeah. you. Yeah, you can you can you can share it again. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna move this thing over, and actually, this map is actually a little better than the one I showed you last time. Okay. So we're gonna go share screen, mm-hmm. and, and move it over after what you taught me the last time. Yes, sir. And so for everybody listening, today's Thursday, April seventh, twenty twenty two, and the last time we talked, uh, this was all. I think a judge had just had just ruled on it or turned it and had to go higher up. And I guess since we've last spoken. Governor yeah. Hogan has actually uh, kind of dropped the hammer on it. So, right. So, if you look here in this red area, this is the state of Maryland, and you know you got Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, up here to give you a, a little bit of uh, perspective, mm-hmm. and rest of Virginia here. So, this is all Maryland, and we got a weird shaped state. But what I'm going to show you is that all this area here, all the way down here. Here's Towson, here's Parkville, here's Perry Hall, Eldersburg, all the way up to the state line. And these are country folk. These are my people. And so I dare Dutch Rupersberger to come in here and convince them that they're wrong and keep spending and wasting their money. So like I said, I'm all in. I'm feeling pretty good about this. I consider this to be divine intervention. Absolutely. Um, So in I guess let's to, to relate what we talked about last week. I mean, we talked about critical race theory. We talked about public schools, charter schools, private prisons, crime. Actually, uh, uh, Don, I think you'd like uh, 
I brought up uh, I brought brought up Gorgon's stare and oh um, and oh. the uh, the color left Bernie's face. And he goes, "How'd you know about that?" <laughs> I go, "It's a book. It's a book." And he goes, "Really?" So I show him the book, and he's like, "All right, good." But um, Don's actually probably the only other person I know that knows about it. But of all the things we talked about, a lot of those did seem to be more uh, Baltimore centric. How does this shift? It's divine intervention. It's good. These are your people, right? The uh, those uh, those country folk that cling to their guns and religion. But how yeah. does this how does this shift your policies or how you're going to go about things? I mean, you can't. That I would imagine you can't maybe necessarily bring up in the middle of Hampstead the problem with uh, crime in downtown Baltimore. Well, actually, there's a little bit of Baltimore in this area. Right? All right. So the, the problem still exists. It's just that it shifts a little bit. Baltimore is the center of everything around here. So, you know, you know me, I'm not changing Jack. I'm yeah. doing what I do, but the, the idea, the people are different. It's not me that's changing. Sure. The folks that I'm trying to convince will be, a, I think, a little bit easier to convince to vote our way because you know, there's a lot more liberals and can you see my cursor moving yeah, around? Yeah, yep. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, there's a lot more liberal people east of I-95. Let's just face it. That's district, the current district three down in Glen Burnie in that area. A lot of patriots there, but a lot of liberals there as well. But you go up into here, <laughs> this is, this is uh, a little bit more our style. So okay. again, maybe I'm putting the cart before the horse. I got a lot of work to do. But how do my policies change? Um, I'm going a little bit redder. And, okay. and what I mean by that, I can be a little bit more conservative in the things that I talk about. Um, I don't have to watch my tongue quite so much. Uh, for example, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the um, Patriot Club of uh, Towson. And no. uh, I met with them uh, Wednesday. I've spoken at their club twice. And um, you're talking about some, some conservatives. These guys are organizing, along with the uh, Republican women of Baltimore County, uh, organizing election judges. We're talking about hundreds, maybe even a thousand people that are going to be in every little area to make sure that things are fair. Not trying to tip the scale, just uh, making sure that things are fair. Just make sure no you don't flat, want, uh, yeah, don't any flatbeds board. of ballots showing up at 4 a.m. Don't want any poster that. boards on the outside of your, uh, your ballot counting. That there way, you go. That still boils my brain. I still don't understand how, but but there's no reason I keep going into that. Um, but so yeah, so I yeah, that perhaps more correct wording is your policies don't. I guess if your policies change, that would kind of be that would kind of be BS. I'd be like, who are you? Yeah. But it's more so, what can you emphasize? If I have you on, we're talking about this versus if you know I have someone else on, and we're talking. If I have on Doctor Malone, we're going to really be talking about whatever mrna research so i guess in the same way you shift what you're talking about not so much what you stand for um could we yeah, don i'm not letting explain, you talk i know but i'm gonna talk over you anyway. all right good good uh, i mean you know what yeah. the difference here comes down to is uh, have you ever tried to explain why gun control is bad to a leftist versus walking in front of a bunch of conservatives and going gun control sucks right yeah <laughs> you know? exactly got it exactly. all right the people in this area are conservatives most of them have uh weapons and know how to use them um down where i was before you got a lot of conservatives but it's a little bit more mixed and you have to be a little bit more nuanced in your delivery but uh up here in the red i can be myself and so i'm feeling very very comfortable with that i'm not saying i'm a shoe in to win by any stretch of the imagination because my opponent if i get through the primary has a million dollar war chest sure and he by a lot of good influence with that. But again, me and my crew, we're doing this thing the grassroots way and we want to at least have a fair shot. And I think we have got about as a fair shot as we're going to get. Yeah. Do what you can, where you are with what you have. It's, Amen. Don, your thoughts, because I'm really shutting you up. I'm i I'm a big adapt and overcome fan. So, you know, uh, so some of us carry dumb sayings with us for life. And, uh, I, I am that some, yeah. um, I I happen to know, I know a guy in, in Texas that just ran for uh, state Senate and he spent about $20,000 uh, and his opponent spent uh, two of them about a million dollars and he got enough of the vote that he caused a runoff with 20 grand. So this yeah. is very, very doable. If you have any reasonable amount of money. <laughs> That's what I'm counting on. Yeah. 
Um, so, <clears throat> uh, Bernie, what other things did uh, do you want to touch on that maybe we didn't touch on last time for the people listening that actually want to get to know more about you and they look at us and we're not we're not touching on anything of all the things we touched on last time and because we kind of ended up cutting it last time. What other topics or issues would you like to go into and maybe tell people where you stand on them and I don't know, win their vote or win their disdain or whichever you want? Well, I appreciate the vine, man. It, that's really cool of you to let me get on your program and talk about what I want. You want me to put this map away? Sure. Yeah, let's 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 do that. Uh, stop sharing. There we go. Yeah. I learned something from you last week. I'm getting all this technical stuff. Hey, I learned how to share screen last week with you. I'm not. <laughs> Don knows. It's been. It's. I've had on authors and generals and doctors and like Tommy can I share screen I'm like I don't even know how to like mm. do. I'm like can you text me the image and I'll hold my phone up to the camp so don't worry it's I happened. learned it, it's it, happened it, it genuinely happened it's it's not it's embarrassing you know my expertise is in killing people and breaking things not <laughs> god I like you <laughs> Ernie flowers 20 2022 killing people and breaking things Dude, what it's a bad habit. no it's it's a wonderful habit it's what it's what you're needed for it's um what things do you want to go into that we maybe didn't touch on last time? We touched on a lot, but here's the thing. Um, crime is still a problem. I was in Baltimore with Dan Cox this past Saturday, and um, I got to give Dan credit. He's a real patriot. Not that um, his opponent isn't. It's just that Dan is a personal friend, and um, we went into the hood. We went into the Harlem Theater in Baltimore. When you're talking about The Wire, that's West Baltimore, and that's where we went. Um, I got there about early, about an hour, and a friend of mine, I don't know if you know um, Chris uh, Anderson. He once ran for uh, one of the city offices. But the issue of the day is he's from there. He was born and raised in that area, and he gave me a little windshield tour. And um, it was bad. Oh, I saw yeah. it huge gigantic brownstone old buildings houses that should be renovated beautiful uh infrastructure but they had fallen into disrepair and boarded up houses and people americans you know should not have to live like that the the takeaway was i saw some kids playing on the street throwing a football on the sidewalk and i asked chris hey, man, there's a park 100 yards down the street. I can see this park. Why are these kids throwing a football on the sidewalk on a 65-degree beautiful day? He said, that's where the drug dealers do their business. And if those kids go over there, there's a chance they may get hit by a stray bullet. And this was one in the afternoon. And so we drove down. I saw the same thing on another street. And I saw about three of these parks that were just totally empty. And I saw you know, young men, probably between the ages of 20 and 40, kind of hanging out in the park alone. And then I saw people on the sidewalks, or better yet, the corners, you know, very obviously doing something nefarious. And I'm sitting here thinking, Americans live here, and Americans should feel safe. And instead of sending huge amounts of money overseas to help people who are not Americans, um, we need to bring some of that money back and help Baltimore. Now, one other thing, let's take this into account that the last several mayors that they've had in Baltimore were all Democrats, and most of them left in... Um, <laughs> uh, is that a good word? Uh, That's very generous of you. <laughs> I was told that I need to be a gentleman. So um, the bottom line is the money that we're sending into Baltimore is not getting to the people. And what I would like to do, if I am so lucky to be elected, I'd like to bring in one of the big national firms, uh, accounting firms like Ernst & Young, and do an independent audit with people who have no dog in the fight. And uh, even if you do a state audit, I'm not casting aspersions on anyone, but this is beyond. This is a national problem in a lot of the inner cities. And I'd like to start with Baltimore, bring in one of these big companies and like, hey, let's find out where that money went. Yeah. Alessandro. Yeah. Just find out. Yeah. Just find out where. Yeah. I I was going to say two of my best friends live in Baltimore 
I haven't been up there in a year or two, but when I, I would go up there maybe like once every other month or something for like three years and I would go there and I, I would get there. And I mean, it, I would always, it was weird to learn. I have to call them like 30 minutes ahead and I'll be like, Hey, I'm coming up and they'd wait yeah. till I was there and they'd be like, all right, there's a parking spot. Like you can park right outside the house. If there wasn't, they would be like, keep circling until we can find a spot. And, and I'd get in, you go up to the door four co- or four numbers, beep, 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 you open it, open the metal door. And then yeah. open the other door and it's, do you have everything from your car that you need? I'm like, yeah, I got the right. Like, do you have all your valuables? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, good. And now we go there. We order food. We, the, uh, the liquor store, 200 yards down the road, 1 PM on a July. Hey, yeah. well, we wait for food guys. I'm going to go grab some booze. It's on me this weekend. Don't go alone. Hold on. Well, he's coming yeah. out of the shower. We're going to all go together. I'm like, guys, like I get that I'm Lily white, but like, come on. It's right. And they're like, no. No, <laughs> we go down and we come back and we're there and we'll be all hanging out drinking. You do not leave the, the, the compound while you're there. It's fun. And when you're there, you order everything. And then every once in a while, they pull up their phone and yep, quarter mile from here. Guy stabbed in the neck. Yeah. All the time. What? Oh, two shot dead. Oh, only one fatality. One's critical. How far away? Quarter mile. And yeah. you start to go. Oh, this is. I remember one time I got there and they were out at their job. I'm like, can I just like park in your driveway? They said, no, they gave me an address to go park at. It was the police station. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I don't, I'm like, this isn't. So that kind of changed my mind where I like Trump. I also know Trump is very brash. That changed my mind when he starts talking about these sort of shithole cities and you go, okay, on one hand, no, that's not presidential. But on the other hand, you go there and you go, I've never, and I, and I grew up going around Atlanta. And I was like, I've never seen anything like this. So just from my own experience, so as not to just sit here and, you know, say things unchecked, that's my own experience. And they were in a relatively good area of Baltimore. Sorry. Not not to uh, crush your hopes and dreams there, but I've done a lot of traveling over the past couple of years, specifically to major cities. And that is almost every major city I've been to as soon as the sun falls everywhere in the country. Uh, It's ridiculous. And we've allowed it. Here's the problem. We're sitting here. I was telling somebody at this thing the other day, Republicans are busy working. So while we're at work raising our kids, Nancy D'Alessandro Pelosi and her crew are busy destroying America and getting paid to do it. There's money in keeping people poor. Did you realize that? Oh, absolutely. So much money. These private prisons that Joe Biden started with his 1994 crime bill, um, you know, there's a rumor that the prison population, or better yet, the prison companies, check the grades of kids coming out of, out of high school. That's how they do their planning for their business model. Somebody I mean, that lived there told me that, and I believe this person. It's not unreasonable. Uh, I mean... You know. The do you not graduate are going to be coming to coming to prison in about six months. Do you not remember a couple of years ago? Uh, there was that like huge lobbying against, I, I don't remember if it, which, if it was state or national, but against like the, or the decriminalization of marijuana. And one of the huge, yeah. lot, obviously it was like big pharma was against it. Big alcohol was against it, but it was, uh, it was like the private prison, um, uh, prison guard lobbyists. Yeah. They were like, no, no, no. They're what do you mean? What do you mean? They're well, we're out of a job. And it's like, hold on. Well, now there's direct conflict of interest to why would you want to clean up Baltimore? Keep it, keep it the wild West. We're getting, we're getting labor. Yeah. Well, there's other, uh, there's other incentives that go on here because that's, that's basically what we're talking about. And um, like, like it or not, the left has a a great sales pitch to poor people. We'll give you stuff, right? Oh, and you know, if you don't have stuff, Hey, I like stuff. And we'll do before. Yeah, as as Mr. Flowers brought up last time, uh, LBJ's gracious quote about having them vote uh, Democrat for 200 years. Yeah. Sitting president. Look it up. Everybody listening. LBJ. That's what it is. And uh, and by the way, Mr. Uh, Biden, just for your edification, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I think he was a speaker at Robert Byrd's um, uh, funeral. Funeral. Yeah. Now, Robert Byrd was a known Klansman. He was a recruiter <laughs> for the KKK, but yet uh, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. 
Yeah, yeah, you can go speak at a Klan member's funeral, but if you're conservative, you're a KKK member. If you're a conservative, you're a Nazi. But you know, we're, while we're going to sit here and openly support the Azov Battalion in in Ukraine, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Um, Everything's real complicated now. <laughs> Everything's upside down and backwards. So, but I did kind of want to go into this because I think I think Don would find it interesting. So when we kind of touched on these things uh, last week, you you pleasantly surprised me in that you said on the flip side you don't necessarily just use a bigger hammer. You were like, you. the way to do this is not in the conservative boogeyman. They're just going to have more militarized versions of the police. You are actually very against the continual militarization of the police and as much as I would like one, against the use of MRAPs. So, yeah. Don... Go on. <laughs> go on. <laughs> but if you could go into that a little more, Mr. Flowers, for, for Don, and maybe because I think it's... Of all the things I've heard you talk about, I think that's one of the most important things is you do have a keen eye on what's going on. However, because what eventually does happen 10, 20, 50 years down the road is we're going to put a Band-Aid on crime in inner cities by militarizing the police forces. In 50 years, we're wondering why is there a national police force kicking down the door of everyone? And much like Eisenhower warning about the military industrial complex, we can't pretend that it won't grow into a tumor in half a century. So where is that? Where is that nuance? Where is that finesse in which you deal with the problem of more moles popping up without necessarily using a bigger whack-a-mole hammer? Well, you know, what we were talking about last week, as Tommy mentioned, is um, we are bringing home weapons of war that were manufactured to kill people. And uh, those big MRAPs, 50 caliber machine guns, you should not be using that against your own people. That's ridiculous. And um, yeah, we want to keep our cops safe, but, you know, we don't want them to be social workers too much. You know, we don't want to be way over here to the left, but on the other hand, we don't want Judge Dredd either. So the, the, there has to be a, bit, a, 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 a happy medium. And um, as I was saying to Tommy last week, you know, one of the models is the Polizei. Don, you ever been to Germany? No. Well, I was over there for probably, I was stationed there for three years altogether, TDYs, five years at least. And I got stopped by the Polizei once. And matter of fact, um, I had a lot of dealings with them because I had command. So my guys would get in trouble sometimes and uh, they'd call me to, to adjudicate or basically, you know, take them on my own recognizance. But the issue of the day is they were very professional. And I found out that these guys were not just police officers, but they also were social workers. And, and what I meant by, by that was they had to have a, a master's degree in social work and speak several languages in order to be a Polizei or a, a policeman. Now, our situation being where we are, I mean, you can be a cop at 20 years old with a minimum, a minimal of education. I'm not asking for anybody to get a bachelor's degree, but there should be some social work courses that you know, allow people to collaborate. And, um, and also the idea is just getting out into the community. Last Saturday, um, I drove into that area on the highway. I saw some cops. Uh, the, I was there for like four hours, starting at one o'clock. We stayed till dark. Everybody wanted to leave at dark. But what I saw was I didn't see any police presence whatsoever, not yeah. one in probably a two mile square area. And we got out and we were out in front of the place and looked around. I drove around. I didn't see any cops at all. I saw a lot of uh, what I intended, what I thought to be crime. But it, I think, would have helped if you had cops out on the street. And what I mean on the street, not in police cars. But, you know, you go to a nice neighborhood where you guys live, especially in the suburbs, you'll see cops on bikes. Yeah. If you go over the Fells Point where the area is a little bit nicer and more urbane, you see cops on bikes, but you don't see them in the places where we need them the most. I'm not putting cops down. I love them. I want to support the blue. But the issue of the day is, you know, maybe we need to bring some of those cops over from Fells Point or some of the more nicer areas and bring them over to the hood where people actually need them. So I you're you're going to run headlong into um, a propaganda fight. Uh, because uh, of all places, the city of Oakland, uh, oh God, it's been about 15 years, maybe 20 years back now, 
had a, a great plan for uh, solving this kind of problem, which is to say that they told all the cops who worked in Oakland, look, if you want to stay working in Oakland, you have to live in Oakland. Yeah. And all of the cops that stayed moved to Oakland or, you know, where they were already living there. And whether anybody likes it or not, right? If a cop calls a bunch of cops, cops come running. And look, you don't have to like that. But look, if a Marine calls me, a bunch of Marines come running, right? Yeah. That's what happens. That's exactly how life goes. Is it perfect? Is it the most ideal world? No, but it's true. And so guess what happens? Now you've got drug dealer in the parking lot. And instead of, uh, and, and I'm not besmirching the average person, but look, the vast majority of people do not get, uh, okay, here's your, your 10 point layout for all the things I need for a bolo. They just go, oh no, there's a guy in a brown jacket and he's dealing drugs. Right. And fat lot of good that does. There's 8 million brown jackets around, uh, you know, the park, the cops roll down there and go, what the hell do I do with this? And they turn around and leave cop. On the other hand goes, there's a guy, he's about five foot nine. He's wearing a brown jacket, has brown hair, green eyes. Uh, he's wearing this baseball cap, this color, right. And boom, that guy is found in minutes. Right. And it, so it makes the reporting more efficient. It gets the calls out there faster, partly because let's face it, Hey, I can actually work with this information. On top of that, cops tend to know what's against the law. They know when something is going wrong, something's going down. They deal right. with it all the time, right? Yeah. And they kept that program for about two years. Crime dropped by something like 30%. And they went, we can't have this. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was called community policing. They ended it immediately. Oh. And now what do you think of when you think of community policing? Social workers. Yeah. We'll send them in there with a notepad, right? It, it will be a straight propaganda war, uh, but there is direct evidence that the kind of things you're talking about definitely work. I'm glad to hear you say that. And, um, you know, while you were talking, you know, I was seeing all these dilapidated houses, but the kind of person with the eye that I have, I saw that the infrastructure in those houses was solid. I mean, these guys were, these houses were built back in the 40s where houses were built out of stone. Yep. So the issue of the day is, Let's take uh, some of these billions of dollars that we're sending overseas, renovate these houses and let cops live in them. How about yeah. that? You know, or let the residents of the place enjoy the benefits of having not only a rent, a nice new renovated house, but also having a police officer in the neighborhood that would change things. Now, mind yeah. you, there were some places that had actually been renovated, but I ran into a developer. A matter of fact, the reason we were down there, is Dan was speaking and we met at this theater and about, about 40 or 50 of the local residents showed up and you know, we took pictures and all that and they listened to a couple of local politicians to, to include myself, but they were pissed off and they were starting to understand that voting for the same people and the same ideology over and over again is getting them the same result. My thoughts are, let's take some of this money that we're sending overseas and wasting in inflation, renovate these houses make things better for our own people and manage our money more efficiently. Um, you do realize that since Biden came in, our, um, our trade deficit, or better yet, our national debt went from $22 trillion to now $31 trillion. That's $91,000 for every man, woman, and child in the United States. And um, let's just say I paid off my mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> I would still owe $91,000. And that is un unsad. Our politicians are not doing a good job for us. But more importantly, it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, let's track down some of this money and find out who stole it and take it back. I think uh, I think you're, I think you're going to run into a problem that uh, if if the current administration is any example to go by, tracking down that money uh, will piss off a lot of people in power. <laughs> That's all. Um, I don't know what else I even should say there. Hey, bottom line is we got to do this because, you know, me and you are, I'm older than you. And I'm not going to say what I think you are, but I'm going to say Tommy's young. Tommy's got to deal with this for the next 40 years. That's true. We, we have lived well. The Marine Corps has obviously treated you well because you're sitting there, you know, smoking and joking and having a good time. Me, I'm fat, dumb, and happy. Tommy? I see his future as being less than what we've been able to enjoy. enjoy. And um, I would like to, 
to pay my debt to him and my my grandchildren, my my son and daughter, my wife, uh, who are going to live after me. So you know, I've oh. had a good good deal here, man. Let's let's make it good for everybody. So uh, I, I occasionally get uh, you know, Don, when you say stuff like that, you sound you sound really down. Uh, you know, you do what? Don't fight the powers that be. Nope, just dig in for the long haul because that's what it's going to be, right? Uh, I, I find a lot of people. Um, we'll say my age who really want to just snap their fingers, have it done. Right. And there, there is a decent amount of my, my age group that is the, you know, take a pill to get better, turn on the TV for entertainment, the, you know, whatever it is, just instant gratification thing. And the moment that they get, uh, okay. So this fight's going to take more than about 15 minutes. They're like, Oh God, man. But like current TV show will be on in 25. I'm like, okay, well, you don't care. Uh, so next, but it, it is important to, to keep in mind that, uh, you know, some of I mean, the president of the United States been in politics for about double my lifetime. That guy's got, years. yep. <laughs> well, I was six quite... when he went into office. Yeah, it just hit a hot point. Term limits. Yeah. Well, that, that's another thing. Um, you know, they're, they're real popular when everybody's running. They're a lot less popular. when they're well, well, actually, actually, I think that's a good segue. Um, I've had on here several times before Mike Durant, who's running for everyone knows him as the Black Hawk down pilot, but he's running for Senate out of Alabama. And uh, he probably had one of the more measured approaches to term limits. He said grandfathered in term limits. And I remember I was like, yeah, but that's and he goes, I mean, he literally, you can go back and find the podcast. He goes, I mean, I can sit here and say term limits and that sounds great on the campaign trail. The reality is, is no one in power is going to vote for it. So you're going to have to grandfather in. He goes, and that kind of took me as like a, that's not some idyllic pounding on the podium thing. That's a realistic approach. That's a yeah. very pragmatic approach. So with, with that, what would be a similar sort of pragmatic approach to say, taking the money that we're sending overseas and bringing it back here and put like putting it into those brownstones, putting into a mixture of police and social workers as not independent police and social workers, but a, a marriage of the two social working police. Is there any realistic way instead of just saying no money to wherever, is there a way to say it can work for business here instead of private uh, prisons, it could be whatever domestic construction that clean up brownstones. Is there like a, is there a realistic way? Cause we can all sit here and say, what should go on and you know we should all sing kumbaya and it should be rainbows and sunshine beautiful perfect right now it's raining and cloudy outside you got sometimes you got to deal with what's going on is there a pragmatic way to introduce the like you talked about last week with not just shaming public schools but shifting it to charter schools who have their own standards and have their own incentives for further contracts is there a way to almost I mean, do you almost have to create instead of a private prison industrial complex do you almost have to create like an industrial complex for charter schools or for community policing. And I know that sounds like it's, you, you're just getting sucked into the swamp. But I, I've, again, I think of the Mike Durant term limits thing where he goes, no one's going to vote for it. It sounds great. No one's going to vote for it. You have to grandfather it in. That's real. Do you have anything? I know that's a big question to throw on you. Don, you can help him out if you want. But is there any like realistic way aside from us just sitting here and, and patting ourselves on the back on the podcast, which I'm guilty of doing. I, 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 th I say all the great stuff and then it's, and then I turn off the podcast and I'm done. What, what can be done? Well, Tommy, first of all, you're providing us a platform to talk to other people. There are a lot of people in this world that will sit and watch television and throw bananas at the TV and yada, yada, yada. But here's the point. We are all responsible every American taxpayer, because we've gotten complacent. That's the problem. We're sitting around here thinking that somebody else should have to do it. Well, I'm that guy who is thinking, I got to do this. I got to, if I want the world to be the way I want it, then I've got to get involved. And I don't think we need to hardly change any laws. I mean, most of the laws that we have in place were put there with good intent. The issue is, in order to have a deck, uh, I don't think it's, you know, in order to have a de democracy, can you hold on to it? Yeah. A republic, that's, if you can keep it. There you have it. That's the, that's the quote. A republic, if you can keep it. And a republic, a democracy requires an educated populace. And we've just got too many people that don't care. I mean, 
I go to different places and I tell people within the last couple of days, hey, do you realize that there's a big redistricting fight and things have changed and it's going to affect you? And they're like, uh, I was, you know, watching Dancers with the Stars and I don't care. Well, when the, at that last uh, couple of weeks ago, when, when, when the gas prices went almost up to five bucks, um, and, you know, we're talking about potential food shortages in the next six months, even the president said this, um, we need to, when, when we have to sacrifice, that's when we have to get tough. But when things are easy, um, people get lazy. And, and circuses. I, yeah, bread and circuses. So I've seen from my travels overseas, and Don, I know you have, you know, people live in just terrible conditions. And um, I was talking to a young lady, I won't mention her name, but she is a, an immigrant from uh, Guatemala. I met her at this uh, event we were at on Saturday. And she said, you know, I came here thinking that I had an opportunity for the American dream. And things were better for me in Guatemala. And we may go back. So what I'm getting at with all this is we've all got to pull together. Uh, yeah, we can say, well, we got to change this and we got to change that. The average person has got to get involved. We got to have a red wave. And we got to get the word out because if we don't, if we lose this opportunity and we're stuck with Mr. Uh, ice cream at two o'clock in the afternoon and take a nap, um, we're going to be in a bad way. We're going to be in a very, very bad, bad way. Um, do I want to uh, impeach him? Well, I don't think things will get any better with uh, Miss Harris. I think they actually might get worse. But the best thing we can do is just like if you ever wrestled before, sometimes all you can do is clinch. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to try to do if I can get in. Just hold the line. Yeah. Hold the, the line, line until we can get some real leadership in. So I, I, uh, I, I hate to be the guy to just re ask the same question, but show me some of how that sausage is made. Um, you know, the, cause there, I think there are answers to things like how do you get rid of private prisons? Now, personally, I don't find them as big of a deal as everybody else, but, um, not get rid of them. I'm using as an example, sorry to interrupt, but to, sure. but to reel back on them and also to lean forward on the idea of insert market industrial complex, those seem to be the things that grow naturally instead yeah. of trying to not weeds grow. You don't try to get rid of the growing process. You just plant grass or flowers. Can something else be planted? Is it a charter school industrial? Yeah, that's, Sorry, Don. That's, that's the way, right? So you need to, uh, in, in the world of uh, getting people to do something they don't want to do, you always got to give them something else they want to do more, right? Um, and uh, I, I heard the, the bird rank go out earlier, which makes me think, that uh, you've spent some time with guys who invariably didn't want to do whatever they were doing right that minute. Because um, it doesn't, one of them truisms about the military is at some point you're going to be doing something you don't want to do, right? <laughs> military is all a gang of doing stuff you don't want to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that, that's got to go one of two ways. All right, so uh, I'm just going to drop the hammer and you guys are just going to do what I tell you and that never works out well. Or it's like, all right, guys, we get over the thing that sucks, then we do the thing that's awesome, right? And it's the same shtick with these people, right? Uh, you know, uh, hey, you guys are all are, are prison guards who are, you know, walking a turn, and, and that's great. You're making great money. Uh, I don't blame you for not wanting to lose your jobs. What if I took a job from uh, working guys who were trying to stab you with a shank every other day, uh, and we tried to at least keep you about the same money, and we moved you to... Uh, doing something that was more productive, right? Because then you don't end up with the prison guards union, right? They they show up and they're like, mm, we could just not be getting shanked. That seems okay by me, <laughs> right? And this is, uh, I got to say, the, the Republican Party as a whole does not do this well. Um, we like to come in and go, this thing is terrible. And uh, so we should just get rid of it. And then yeah. everyone engaged in that thing is like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I've been paying my mortgage for the past 18 years with this. I'm just over halfway. We ain't getting rid of nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't just gut it because something will fill the void. That's often worse. So it's, you have to like realistically, not just, we're going to get rid of public schools. It's no, is there an incentive? Can you offer a business incentive? Someone set up charter schools. 
Here's some fat new government contracts, the same government contracts that we're going here. It, it seems to be the more realistic way. Well, let me ask you this. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of um, manufacturing. And I think we talked about this the last time we were together. I mean, these people that are in charge now, I call them the neocons. They basically outsourced a lot of our manufacturing. Oh, yeah. And the reason that we have so much crime uh, is because a lot of these young folks don't have an opportunity to get a job. And they don't have an opportunity to get a job because we're buying everything from overseas. And it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, for example, I've got um, solar panels on top of my house. Yes, I'm a, I got a little tree hugger inside me. But I do know that... Got a lower electric bill. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, why can't we manufacture more things here in the United States? But on the other hand, when you got 70% of the kids, especially the boys that graduate from Baltimore area high schools that can't read, that are functional illiterates, then you can't manufacture anything because they don't know how to do anything. So it's a, it's a do loop. Uh, there's a lot of things that we need to fix, but we need to provide people with jobs so they won't have to resort to crime. But we got to educate people in order to um, get them prepared to provide a job. But our politicians don't need to be allowing people to just come in here and sell their products and dump their products without uh, any kind of tariffs or anything like that. So it's a whole ecosystem that we got to change. And the people, if you notice how many millionaires there are in Congress, you know, 90 percent, if I'm not mistaken, of Congress, they're millionaires. And how did they get that way when you got a salary of $176,000 a year? Well, so, well, you so, see, it's a free market, so we should be allowed to insider trade. <laughs> yeah, right. Miss Delisandro, I tell you, she is quite the whiz at trading. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got to fix this thing. And, and all these um, uh, ancient congressmen we have in there that have benefited from the system to be to include the, uh, the congressman that I hope to run against. He's 75 years old. He's been in office 19 years, almost 20 years. And um, when he first got into office, a lot of people were big fans of his. And, you know, he was your, your prototypical conservative Democrat. But now he only shows up at election time. And um, he hasn't done a lot. Uh, the entire area has kind of deteriorated. I mean, he's getting big projects. And, uh, well, he says he's bringing money here. But when I run over potholes over in Baltimore, East Baltimore, that was his district, I'm wondering where the money went. So again, always chase, always find the money. That's what one of the things I'm planning on doing if I am lucky enough and fortunate enough to get elected and I want to be visible, be in the hood, be in those places. Now, mind you, my district is shifting up to Carroll County and, you know, I'm a country boy at heart. So that's perfect for me, but I'm not going to forget about the part of the district that is the city. We've got to, you know, if the city's not working, the whole area uh, resonates for good or bad. And we got to do something about that. And uh, I'm just going to give it my best shot. So what would be, what would be the, it's obviously a very a complicated problem. Oh, yeah. And then and, and you're right about the manufacturing. I mean, not everyone, you know, it's a great thing to go off and become an engineer or a whatever, or a, a, a dentist, but not everyone does, not a, not everyone's capable of it. I'm not capable of being in the NBA. It used to be a thing where you could go get a living. You weren't going to live a rock star life, but you could go work at a steel plant or a paper mill. And that was a, it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a decent form of, of life. You were at least, you had a human life. Um, But with all these complex things, where would be the ground floor? So we can talk about all the problems. Where would be the ground floor? I mean, at the simplest terms, what would it be? Would it be, would it be shifting money to charter schools and offering them an incentive? Would it be saying for every, you know, job you produce in manufacturing, you can get this contract. What are, what are some real, if someone was really grilling you, like what would be, if you could just give them a, you know, if someone said, Tommy, uh, what are you doing to try to help? every? Someone said this to me like two months ago, they're like, you yell a lot and, uh, but you're not actually doing anything. And I realized that they were right. I was angry, but they were right. So I started reaching out, yourself included, to a ton of candidates and using the platform, though small I have, 
something I can do. It's not world shifting, but it's something where I realized I was talking a lot, but not offering any any meat on the bones. What as, is as a legitimate journalist, though, you're providing a platform for people like me. There's a lot of folks that have reached out to me that, you know, would never have even heard of me if it weren't for you. So I thank you for that. Of so, course. Of course. Your thing. So, but, yeah, with you, what would it be now? Someone says you're running, you're winning. They're like, Mr. Flowers, what are you actually going to do? Is there a bill? Is there a specific, yes, Tommy, we are going to remove money from these three schools and give them to these three charts. And it's not trying to not trying to grill you, but rather like, what, what can you do so as to stick yourself out? Because if you're just if you're just saying ideas, that doesn't really win anyone over. And I'm saying this as someone that supports you. What are some real things you can sink your teeth into? Well, the thing is that to me, um, first of all, we got to start with crime. A lot of people talk about education, but you can't go to school if there's bullets flying around. And there are people in this world that literally want to destroy this country, and they're starting with their propaganda. If you noticed that Elon Musk has now bought uh, a big share of Twitter. 9.2%. That he is now the... So the, the, the idea of being able to speak freely, um, that little Twitterverse, even though it's probably only about 1% of the country, they make a lot of noise. And they have literally changed the narrative in this country. And we got to, you know, protect our First Amendment rights to say what we want. And um, this small group of elites has, you know, attacked the police department and made it, you know, tough to be a police officer. So just like you mentioned, you know, we got to get our streets safe. Little old ladies should be able to go to church without being stabbed in Baltimore. Um, you know, when I was in Fells Point after we had our event last week, because we were, as soon as it got dark, we were getting out of there and no offense. But um, I saw a gang of people on dirt bikes and four wheelers riding around. Those things aren't even authorized to be on the road. But yet there was a hundred of them that I saw and the police officers couldn't possibly do anything about something like that because there were just so many kids on these things and, you know, intimidating, you know, taxpaying citizens that are just out trying to have a beer and have a good time. So we got to get a handle on the police and their ability to affect crime and make people understand if you back your police officers, they will back you and you will have a crime-free environment so you can pursue the education, so you can pursue the manufacturing, so you can pursue the other cultural things that you want to do. But if you don't have law and order in your streets, you won't be able to do any of the things that we want to do. And yeah, there are a couple of bad apples out there, but there are a couple of bad apples in the Air Force. There are a couple of bad apples in the Marine Corps. There are ways yeah. to get rid of those folks. But the majority of people are just trying to do a good job. And in my intention, uh, we got to back our police officers and we got to allow them to do the job and allow them to um, carry out the, the laws that we've already put in place. So if so, well, I, I agree with you. That's probably the ground. That's probably the ground floor is crime on everything else can grow. You know, the hierarchy. I got to pay the utilities. The door has to shut and I have to have running water. After that, I can do the podcast and do my laundry. So if the ground floor is, is, is getting a hold on crime, what is the first thing you do about? Is it higher police salaries to attract more people? Is it higher police numbers? Or, or I mean, do you have to go? Do you have to go full militarized police? Is well, on? For, forgive me for for interrupting, uh, but I figure after double asking the question, I should hand over a layup. Um, there is sort of that that granular level right that is uh when you're when you're working at the federal level you can't get down to the granular of like how many cops there are right yeah. there's not a federal mandate that got it nypd so have so many officers none of that what you can do is that earlier audit discussion right you go after the top of the city got and it. you go uh hey why is your crime rate nine thousand percent that's not a thing somebody figure it out now right and there's things you can do with that the feds can withhold money they can start investigating the individual people they can uh you know trump said the uh, fbi to chicago now whatever other problems i may or may not have with the fbi on any given day uh they showed up and crime went down all right yeah <laughs> so, well I'll, yeah i'll have to i'll have to then excuse myself as you can probably see my my ocd nature 
is I'm yeah. like, I'm like, why is this happening? How is this happening? That's how I look at things. If I'm yeah. going to do something, who am I going to do? I'm going to email guests. How do I find Bernie? Well, I go through each state and I find the list of guests. That's my own OCD nature where I'm like, Bernie, tell me how many cops you're hiring tomorrow. So, okay, I'll maybe stick I, uh, myself I, I hate to, uh, to, to hand over a second layout. This is totally uncharacteristic for me. But this goes to an earlier discussion of education, right? We killed civics uh, while I was in school in this Huge country. Huge point. Right? Huge. And so everybody goes, okay, so we go to the federal government and they arrest the guy that put graffiti on the end of my block. And uh, the feds don't do that. All right? <laughs> they, they, if you call up the FBI and you go, excuse me, uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation, there's a guy and he's graffitiing the wall. They're going to be like, have you, have you dialed 311? Just why are you even calling us? Right? Yeah. So it's important probably for basically the entire country at this point to learn uh, like, hey, man, we're, we're sending you to the federal government. Um, we understand that like, this cop that sucks, there's probably not a lot you can do about that. But you, you know, if there's a whole department that sucks for some reason, you can get the federal government to look into the department and go, well, why does this entire department suck? Right. Like that's uh, be that, you know, nefarious reasons be, uh, you know, like, I don't know, some Hollywood portrayal of police that is ridiculous uh, or just because, it's Minneapolis. And they went, okay, we're going to cut the police by 40%. And so of course the department sucks. They're undermanned by half, you know, <laughs> and you can, uh, it's not always going to, you know, produce great results, but the pressure you can apply is, is very specific based on what level of government you're on. So for everybody who wants like, Hey, we need 50% more cops, go talk to your city council. That's who's, that's who's hiring these people. Right. That's who's that's who's funding salaries. Go talk to the mayor because uh, the mayor is the one going to the chief of police and going like, uh, hey, I don't want you to have cops or, hey, uh, you know, why don't you have 50 percent more cops? That's who's actually doing it. And not to you know besmirch a run for federal office or anything, but local politics are very touchable. Um, you know, there's a lot of people very disillusioned with what goes on at the federal level. Right. Uh, oh my God. You know, I, I didn't vote for, and so it's very, well, how many people are in your, you know, in your, your federal district? There are, there are a lot of people there. You only get this much say your city councilman. There's like 5,000 people in his district, right? <laughs> you get a lot of say in that guy's life. And there's an old saying, all politics are local. Uh-huh. So that's the guy who's writing your ticket works for somebody on the city council staff or the mayor. And uh, that's the person who's gonna affect you. But again, from my level where I'm trying to get to, you can squeeze the spigot and you can make a lot of bad stuff stop. And um, what I'm seeing from the people that are in charge, they're not interested in their constituents. They don't seem to be trying to make the bad man stop. And that's what I wanna do. Well, the, the other important part of this, right, is so, um... This needs to be pincer movement like, right? Yeah. So if you hit up the federal level and you come down and you go, okay, this, uh, you know, this area of the city has a very serious crime problem. We're going to incentivize from the federal level to make that stop. If somebody else is coming up from the bottom and they're running for mayor, they're running for city council, right? Then they can sit on the other side of the coin and be like, look, uh, we'd love to hire more cops. That guy's in the way. We'd love to make it so uh, our police, or, you know, our, our DA is charging somebody, uh, but he's not, right? Yeah, because that's that's getting to be a popular thing, right? And it needs to, we need to be hitting this from both sides. This hope that we have, and I again, not to besmirch federal runs in the slightest, but like, we're just going to like dispatch the, you know, the guy on the, the, the Clydesdale with a giant sword and like, well, well, you sent him to the federal government, so it's done. Uh, this is not how it works. And it's why a lot of people's local local levels are not getting better is uh, tends to be one side of this push is good. Right. One side is is great. And that whoever that guy is, that guy needs help on the other side. Right. Yeah. So if you're if you're sitting up there and you're like, look, man, uh, <laughs> the city uh, has a four year delay on a report of how many arrests were made last year. Yeah. Somebody needs to get on that, but I can only hold one seat, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, Bernie, I was going to say in, uh, in the final five minutes, Bernie, you have the floor. Is there anything you want to bring up or touch on or or maybe lead into the next podcast with and or Don? Well, you know, there's a lot of things that 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 are on my mind. And um, 
But this whole thing in the Ukraine has got people divided. Their heartstrings are such, hey, we need to go help. And a lot of the liberal leftist folks who have never been in the military and would never yeah. send their child off war. They want war. They're the ones saying, yeah, we got to go kick these people's asses. No, we don't. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been, I know what it feels like to be downrange and not feel the, the idea that you're going to wake up the next morning. And I've seen some um, things that human beings should not see, like the inside of people's stomachs and that sort of thing. And it stays with you. And I try not to think about those things. I never want that to happen to anybody's kid. And so, yeah, it's bad in the Ukraine, but if we handle this the wrong way, this could be World War II, World War III real, real, real quick. Um, the people that are running the show right now for us are, inspire no confidence in me whatsoever. What they're trying to do in Iran, we've got an Iran deal that, uh, that our last president arranged for us that was in our favor. Um, but this concept of, hey, we're going to send MiGs from Poland, if you notice, the Polish said, the Polish people said, okay, well, we'll, we'll as long as they go through the United States, it's fine, because we don't want Putin uh, bearing down on us. And uh, that's, that's some pretty flat land. It would be pretty easy to roll tanks and planes over that. So yeah, yeah. the issue of the day, as I was mentioning to somebody yesterday, you know, take the emotion out of it. There are weapons that we discussed that put us in a situation where we no longer have borders anymore. Okay. And the Russians have them, the Chinese have them, we have them, but you know, we, you, there are things in this world that you can't defend against. Yeah. So sanctions are a wonderful thing to wield, to deal with these folks and deal with Putin, but understand they have nuclear weapons. Yeah. And um, if those nuclear weapons are not controlled, we got bigger problems. Yeah. So, that's the kind of thing as an old cold warrior that I think about. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want anybody to die, but I don't want any American blood spilled in a place that we have no strategic interest and understanding also that there's wars all over this world right now. There's about 10 going on in Africa that nobody talked about. And uh, we talked about Boko Haram and the stuff going on in uh, Eritrea and some of these other places. And um you know, we just need to be careful about where we deploy our blood and treasure because our young people are truly our blood and treasure. And um, we need to protect those people. We need to, when, when we go to war, remember the Powell Doctrine? You go all in and you got to be ready to kill everybody, everything yeah. to move. And if you're not willing to do that, don't go to war. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Curtis LeMay. You know, yeah. when you go to war, use overwhelming force, use unnecessary force, because yeah. in the end, you will save uh, more lives, both yours and theirs. There you have it. It's what it is. You're not a police force. You're going in to kill and break. That's what yeah. the military is. That's that that line alone, you're not a police force. God, we need to learn that. Yeah. And it's because uh, you want you want stuff broken. Send the U.S. military. I yeah. promise you things will get broken. <laughs> yeah and it's it's extreme prejudice yeah mm -hmm. exactly but it's it's you know uh people would say that's heartless sure I, i've i've interviewed several of them now ukrainian refugees who've sent me pictures of dead kids yeah that doesn't mean that your heart doesn't pull i get it i do yeah. however eventually the the answer the buck stops here it does go to someone where it goes is it going to be their kids or yeah. our kids, because yeah. it's one or the other. And you can say that's cold, but I'm as someone that's never served, I can still look at it and go, sorry, I'm sorry, but that's not ours. It's not ours, especially when, you know, it's like uh, the, it was like when the order was given by Dick Cheney to, uh, if need be, intercept a commercial aircraft on September 11th, 2001. The instant yeah. logic was is, you shoot down that plane, you kill everyone on the plane. You don't shoot down that plane. That plane hits a building, kills everyone in the plane and most of the people in the building. Yeah. The buck stops somewhere. We can all go, well, we shouldn't kill anyone. That's great. We can also all sing Kumbaya and live in the Garden of Eden. Tell me when you find it. The reality is this. Do we go into Ukraine with our own blood and treasure? If there's nuclear war, everyone in Ukraine dies and everyone in the world dies. Yeah. If there's not nuclear war, a lot of people in Ukraine die. That's still terrible. It Which is. one do you want? And that's well, 
that's that's the point that people need to pay attention to, right? Because look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. I know all the anti-war guys. Oh, Americans just kill civilians. I promise you, they don't. All right. Now, nobody wants to hear that. They they all know this one guy from this one place that said it's true. But here's what really happens when a war is where you live: people die. A lot of people die. And guess what? If the past 20 years is any experience, the enemy cares a lot less about that than we do. Now, if any of this Russian propaganda is true, or you know, this anti-Russian propaganda is true, that they're just out there slaughtering civilians, doesn't look like it to me. But if any of that's true, you, what, you think they're going to stop? I mean, they'd still be slaughtering civilians, but there'd be us too. So it's yeah. not like the trade-off is us or them. It's them or us and them. Yes. That's it. That's the trade. People say, so what do we do? We just don't do it. What do we do in Darfur? What are we doing about the 2 million Uyghurs in concentration camps in China? What are we oh, doing yeah. about the entire population in North Korea? Well it's it doesn't mean that your heart doesn't bleed for them. It doesn't mean that you don't pray for them. It doesn't mean that you don't try to do everything in your power, be it the president or be doing a podcast, us three together. It doesn't mean you don't try to do something. But at the same time, like we exist in four dimensional space time. There's energy and matter. There are certain things. And when I started the podcast, my dad was like, it's great. I love your passion for it. Like you're a human being that consumes calories and water and needs a place to sleep understand that understand, <laughs> understand i can do the podcast i exist in an apartment in which i'm able to pay rent and the door locks there are some cold hard realities it's not that you don't care for them it's not but i mean you you cannot be the world police and if you are the world police understand that when in 20 years everyone says what did we get out of that it cost seven trillion dollars we, oh. we got you got to be on the moral high ground that's what you got yeah. and you weren't yeah. you ended up killing more just terrible, just terrible. And, um, you know, the, the billions of dollars that you mentioned, we were spending a billion dollars in, in Afghanistan a day. Oh, yeah. Got nothing out of it. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And, um, those people are even now more pissed with us and they got American weapons to shoot at us. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be bad. Yeah. And um, I just, the bottom line is when the previous president was in place, these things didn't happen. I often wonder and Bill Maher brought this up, why didn't Putin, since he and Trump were such buddies, why didn't he invade Ukraine then? If they were such buddies, I mean, it would have been no problem. Well, you have to understand, Bernie. It's all high. It's all, you're not understanding. Yeah, Yeah. this was all part of the plan. Trump Trump put this in place and purposely let Putin steal the election against him so this would make Biden look bad. (laughs) You got to look at the bigger picture, but come on now. Yes, that's what it was. That's what it was, yeah. There you go. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, but um, yeah, it's that's the that is the sort of the cold answer that I think. And again, as someone that has literally interviewed the Ukrainians who have sent me pictures, have everything in my car, houses burned down, there's a pile of dead kids, there's a girl frozen to death in a sleeping bag in a field. Looks like Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, dude, I'm gonna say clip. this here to distract from that. Quickly. That's that's the, that's the. I'm clipping that. So, uh, one uh, of them things that the truth. it is. Oh, you. You know, I'm never yeah. going to get elected telling the truth. You uh, know, it's no, but it's you have starting to, you, to get popular. No, you you know you can. That's something that Trump did do. Is he shifted the Overton window on what's acceptable? That, yeah, that's yeah. the truth. So, no, yeah. you, can, you can speak like that. Yeah. And uh, uh, I mean, hey, hey, look, I lived not that far from San Francisco for a while. So, you know, uh, it looks better than there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, but so, Bernie, I will put all of your uh, links in the description. Um, I'll put you and Dawn in contact and um i will follow up with you about uh what we talked about this morning and obviously we'll try to get you on here for a another podcast and uh, if anybody is living in maryland anybody has questions for bernie put them in the comments and we'll go through them next time i don't care you clearly are okay with answering these so uh hell yeah i don't know the answer i'm just going to tell you the truth you know sometimes i'm not going to know everything but the truth is that i'm going to run a campaign where i'm going to be honest because i got to sleep at night yeah you know and uh to, to to give you a little background one of our constituents um 
one of our supporters was asking me about, hey, you know, you, you probably ought to kind of moderate that question a little bit, your answer to it, because, you know, you got to, you don't want to piss people off. And actually, we do need to piss people off. Yeah. We got to wake folks up. Don, closing remarks. That's it, right? People are already pissed off, right? And and a lot of the problem right now is that people are pissed off and they don't really know why. They just wake up and they're angry. Gas costs a fortune. Uh, yesterday, you know, six months ago, I could eat steak once a month. Now I'm eating hamburger every day. What the hell's going on? I don't like this. And that is, I, I hate to be so cynical about it, but people don't care about politics until politics is ruining their life. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they care. Yeah. yeah yeah well gentlemen let's wrap this one up i'll send you guys the uh episode when it's up and uh thank you both very much for your time look forward to it next time brother absolutely my man take care everybody Stay-